You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous. At this time, we ask that you turn off all cell phones, unless, of course, you're using them to listen to this podcast, in which case, please keep it on. And please refrain from any flash photography, as it is dangerous to the performers of this podcast. Please be advised that this production may contain strobe effects, loud or sudden noises, nudity, and but probably not. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't you see? It's so simple. Step one, we Google the biggest flops on Broadway. Step two, we find the crazy stories behind them. Step three, we see how they lose millions of dollars. Millions? Broadway isn't cheap. A lot of fancy people want to be producers. Step four, find out why the show won't go on. Step five. End this episode and head to Times Square. Times Square? That'll never work. Only Broadway successes are in Times Square. Ho, 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 ye of little faith. I don't know how this is going to go, so this will be fun. Forget which episode. Rachel, Lily, Rose, and Bloom, and don't don't you forget it? I don't know anything about this show. Good, because I didn't either. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome! Hey, Theater Geeks. Hey, Geeks. It's Pamela. <laughs> and it's Ebony. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous, <laughs> where we talk about Broadway flops, scandals, and new works. Who sues? Who fails? We tell their story. We tell it. <laughs> I am going to tell it today. Yay! Because today we got a doozy. <laughs> but what have you been up to? Oh, I have a story for you. Okay, tell me. I know I mentioned this to you before, but okay. I felt like it was... It was an interesting enough story that I thought I should tell it to our audience as well. (laughs) So the other day I was over at Ebony's house and we were recording one of our podcasts and I left for the night. And as I'm leaving, I noticed that there's like a little cat that's just about to cross Mm. my path. But you never know. Some cats are really skittish, so I never want to scare them. And then like there's other cats that are totally feral that will just completely attack you if you come anywhere near them, even if you don't have ill intent. And I don't. I'm like, kitty, kitty you mm-hmm. um but so i gave it some space and then i realized it was not a cat it was a raccoon <laughs> and so then i was like oh i'm glad i gave you some yeah. space because he had just come from a garbage can and he like w- sauntered in front of me and just looked at me in the eye the whole way and then he like tr- started to climb up a tree but kept the eye contact as i passed him and i was like please do not attack me i do not need rabies no that is the last thing i need right now is rabies <laughs> Gracious sake. 
Do you know what I do need, though? What? Another dose of musical theater. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So tell me what today's show is. The title of today's show is Rachel Lily Rosenbloom and Don't You Ever Forget It. I love that title. It's the whole thing is that title. And I love it so much that I have to say it every single time we're talking about. I have to say the entire thing. Not just Rachel Lily Rosenblum. Not just RLR as I was putting in my, as I was saving it in my computer. It's very long. No, it's Rachel Rachel Lily Rosenblum. And don't you ever forget it. (laughs) Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. (laughs) Um, This was a show that is written and starring Paul... Jabara. I'm just going to say his name is Jabara. I was going to say maybe it was Yabara, but I don't know. It's spelled Jabara. That's how I'm going to say it. If I'm wrong, please let me know. Mm -hmm. But it's not like I can do anything about it because we're going to do the whole episode and I'm going to say Jabara. Jabara. (laughs) So the story goes, this is the synopsis of the show. It is a convoluted plot that revolves (laughs) around... Already. It is a convoluted plot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It is a convoluted plot revolves around the misadventures of the title character. Uh, in this is in parentheses, whose name sports the extra A dropped by Barbara Streisand. You know how Barbara Streisand, Barbara's first name is B-A-R-B-R-A instead of B-A-R-B-A-R-A. It's usually there's that extra A. Barbara doesn't have that extra A. So Rachel Lily Rosenblum added an extra A into Rachel. So it's like Rachel. Stop it. I'm not kidding. So it's uh, R-A-C-H-A-E-L. So there's the extra A in her first name that she stole from Babs. <laughs> Holy mackerel. I know, I know. And her journey, Rachel's journey, from a Brooklyn fish market to fame as a Hollywood gossip columnist and then a career culminating in an Academy Award nomination and a nervous breakdown. <laughs> I... I don't know it what just, to say it about gives this me so far. Life. It gives me <laughs> life. It is meant to be. This this is this Broadway show stands as the only intentionally campy musical in Broadway history. Okay. This is how they wrote it. It was meant to be complete camp. Much like Evil Dead. Which they have now made into a musical as well, or they right. made it into a musical a while ago. But, like, it's just meant to be complete camp. And, like, that was how it was marketed. That was They, they made no excuse about it. It was camp. And it is. <laughs> the score is a mix of disco and traditional Broadway Holy musical. Mac- I know, I, just... I know. I live. <laughs> so it opens like this. I gotta talk like this because I feel like that's how they would have talked on stage. It opens like this. An actress made up to resemble Barbara Streisand strides on stage to present the Academy Award for Best Actress. She reads the nominees. Angela Lansbury for the Rosalind Russell story. Goldie Hawn for (laughs) Via Galactica. Diana Ross for the Angela Davis story. Angela Davis for the Diana Ross story. Stop it. And Rachel Lily Rosenblum for Cobra Goddess on Pink Flamingo Road. <laughs> I you can't I keep making faces and I wish <laughs> very you funny could faces. see them. That's every time I laugh is a face from Ebony. <laughs> It's very funny. So that opening basically sets the tone for all 
of the splendor that is Rachel Lily Rosenblum. And, and don't, don't you, you for- ever forget, forget it. it. <laughs> it's and don't you ever forget don't it. Don't you ever forget Holy it. Holy jeez. <laughs> so let's meet the cast of uh, creatives. The producers include Robert Stigwood, who is famous for producing Hair, Jesus Christ Superstar, mm. Pippin. He managed a little, a little tiny group that you may have heard of, or maybe not, the Bee Gees. Oh, wow. As well as another band called Cream, which featured Eric Clapton. Oh. I'd never heard of Cream, but Eric Clapton, obviously. Yeah, of course. Okay, and then another man was the other producer. His name, and please forgive me because I'm going to butcher this name, Ahmet Ertigen. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm just going to say it and say it with confidence. Uh, he was the co-founder of Atlantic Records, and he wrote several songs that were made famous like by people like, I don't know, B.B. King and Pat Boone and Aretha Franklin, to name a few. These guys were like major heavy hitters, and they were wholly entertained by a man named Paul Jabara, who was a performer in both Hair and Jesus Christ Superstar. They looked at him as their own personal court jester, so when Paul Jabara told them about this new project he wanted to write, Stigwood and Ertigen put up $500,000 to indulge his whims, which included playing one of the leads. I live! <sighs> wow! <laughs> but unfortunately, <clears throat> when all was said and done, all of that $500,000 was lost. Of course. Of course. So Rachel was, or, or should I say Rachel Lily Rosenblum, and don't you ever forget it, was originally written as a vehicle for Bette Midler. That was who Paul oh. had in mind when he wrote this show. But That's, when they, I would have seen it. I would have tried completely. to. Completely. Well, probably she before made it. I was born. She would have made it. Oh, of course she would have. But she declined. Oh, no. <laughs> she passed on the project. Uh, and the lead actually went to a cabaret performer at the time, Ellen Green. Oh. Yes, that Ellen Green. <gasps> from Little, from Shop, Little of Shop of Horrors. But who at the time, though, had Rachel Lily Rosenblum and Don't You Ever Forget It, and then another show called Little Prince and the Aviator on her resume. And she has the singular distinction of having created the female leads in two musicals that closed during previews. What a distinction oh, to Ellen. have. But we love her. We do. She's amazing. We yeah. love her. Ellen Green. And you, you know what? She was probably very good in this. Yeah. <laughs> so in addition to Green, the cast included Paul Jabara, Wayne Salento, who did the choreography for Wicked. Uh, yeah. And was really very... He did a lot in the 70s. He was in a lot of what shows. What year was this? This was... Oh, I knew you were going to ask. 73. Okay. Uh, uh, Anita Morris, Tommy Walsh, who I'll talk about later, okay. and Andre DeShields. Wait. Why is his name familiar? It is familiar. You know what? And I looked him up before. Let me look him up again because... I had the same question. I was like, gosh, I know that name. I know that name. Why do I know that name? Some of you are listening and you're screaming (laughs) at us right now. I know you are. Oh, the whiz. I apologize. (laughs) That's why. Friggin'. It's the whiz. I knew it. Sorry, guys. I knew you were. Some of you were screaming. (laughs) The whiz. The whiz. You two don't know anything. You guys call yourself theater games. You don't know anything. I'm I'm sorry. I know. You do because I knew he was in the wind. <laughs> oh. 
sorry. Sorry. Uh, yes, Andrew DeShields was in The Wiz. Uh, and among a lot of other stuff. Yeah. But that's the one. That's yeah. the one that popped up. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Going back to now uh, more of the creatives involved. Tom Ian, who was a writer known for Camp Epics, was brought in to help with the book and to replace the original director, Ron Link. Grover Dale was to come in to supervise Tony Stevens, who was the choreographer. And the result was a mess closer to the shows that Ian and drag queen Jackie Curtis were doing then off broad or off off Broadway is what it says then to a Broadway musical. Mm. So basically, I mean, they came in to make it more campy, but ultimately it was not the right kind of camp. It wasn't Broadway camp. It was drag queen camp, which is also very funny, but it just didn't work in this scenario. Uh, There were flashes of potent dirty humor, but by the end of eight previews, it was obvious to all that the show was woefully out of place on Broadway. The production began previews on November 26th, 1973, and within days, it was obvious it was beyond repair. On December 1st, a small notice in the local newspapers announced the show would be closing that night prior to its official opening. The demand for tickets was immediate. This is what I love about New York and what I hate about New York. Wait, wait, wait. One question. Yes. There were no tryouts, were there? You know what? It never mentions tryouts. So there were no tryouts. Probably not. Probably not. I mean, this was just a common theme. This was like Paul just saying, gosh, that'd be really fun if we, if I wrote this show and I starred in it. put it it off Broadway. Yeah. That's what he should have done. Yeah. It it might have actually done really well. Yeah. In an off-Broadway setting. But that wasn't his dream. So they put the closing notice in the paper, and the next day, tickets were sold out immediately. Theater buffs who revel in the calamitous, as much as the classical, were determined to see what was destined to go down in the Broadway annals as one of the all-time biggest flops. When the curtain went up that night, the cast was facing a sold-out house. Can you imagine? Like, how sad that must have been. What was the other show we talked about that that happened? Was that Kelly? No, it wasn't Carrie? Kelly. Carrie? Yes, it was Carrie. Yeah. It's the same thing, same I, situation. You know, and I don't have it written down here, but I think that I read actually somewhere that they didn't tell Ellen Green that that was the case. Like, it was either that they didn't tell her that they were closing or that they didn't tell her that they had a sold-out house because they didn't want it to affect her performance. Well, the, I mean, you can't not tell her it was closing. Otherwise, she was going right. to, like, read about it. You well, know, like poor Jill pasted and oh Rebecca. Gosh, I know, right? Yeah. But anyway, I but I don't have that written down here, so I don't want to. I'm going to say it with confidence, but okay. I'm not actually confident about okay. that. But I think that's what I read somewhere. But you know what? I'm reading all this stuff about all of these different musicals, and they all just start to blend together after well, a while. Well, because some of the problems are exactly the same. Yeah, it's true. There's a through line here of mistakes that are made. Mm-hmm. Oh, Frank Rich, who we speak about often because he was one of the critics for the New York Times back in the 70s, noted that the musical had a small, hardcore group of fans who had followed its evolution from the very beginning and already had seen it several times. Uh, he is quoted as saying, in scattered pockets throughout the otherwise shell-shocked house were clacks of theater goers who sang along with the musical numbers and gave many standing ovations at the end of most of them, which is adorable. Mm-hmm. I think live like that's why yeah. I live because I feel like there have been other shows like that mm-hmm. where there's just like this certain percentage of people that will just go and go and go and they love it so much that they know all of the words and they have all of the swag and all of that stuff it's not swag it's swag swag 
swag um <laughs> swag they have all the swag and they have you know they just love it so much that they want to support it so that it continues yeah. but it doesn't continue because they waited too late well and not necessarily that as much because this didn't last long um November, it doesn't say how many but ran to it after they found out it was closing right yes but like literally for one performance right it didn't even open officially it was still in previews oh, so it just it it there were too many other issues i think at hand um it just didn't fit the mold of broadway theater at the time um and there were just there were too many cooks in the kitchen who all had yeah. differing opinions, I think, is what it all kind of boiled down to. So it it didn't have a chance, really, unfortunately. Um, oh, there's a sidebar because I mentioned Tommy Walsh before, who was one of the original company members in 1975. Tommy Walsh was invited by choreographer Tony Stevens, who mm-hmm. choreographed Rachel Lily Rosenblum. And don't you ever forget it. Right. Um, and to- wicked. And well, no, that was Wayne Salento. Oh, he was okay. one of the other guys. But okay. Tony Stevens was the choreographer here. He invited uh, Tommy Walsh and several other Broadway dancers to participate in a series of frank conversations about Broadway, about dancing, and about their experiences, hopes, and dreams. And the result of Is that. A chorus line. Yes, a chorus line in 1976, in which Tommy Walsh originated the role of Bobby. Have you ever seen Every Little Step? The documentary. Okay. It's definitely worth seeing, but let me explain because I'm sure there are other people who have not seen it either. Mm -hmm. Every Little Step is a documentary about the making of Chorus Line. Mm -hmm. And it is the casting process of the revival, but they'll also go back to these tapes that Mm -hmm. Tony Stevens put together with the original company members talking about their Broadway dancing Mm -hmm. experiences. And a lot of the tapes will be word for word what the music is in the in a chorus line. It's really spectacular. I mean, it was like this really kind of we're sitting in a room all together and we're just chatting about musical theater mm-hmm. and about what we hate about it and what we love about it mm-hmm. and how difficult it is and how there's no other option because this is what we were born for. Right. And and all of these people that were in the room end up being characters in a chorus line. It's just really kind of, it's really cool. Historically speaking, mm-hmm. it's really cool. I need to, I, I, when I saw that when it was coming out, it's been years now mm-hmm. that it first came out. It was at my favorite tiny little old theater in Maryland. I was like, oh, I have to see that. And it's, I still haven't seen it. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> I think it's on Netflix. Okay, I think that's check where it out. I saw it. Well, I guess that's what I'm going to be watching as I go to bed tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely worth it. Yeah. Um, Paul Jabara, it actually is interesting to note that he went on to write several disco and R&B songs, including It's Raining Men and Last Dance for Donna Summer, which he won the Grammy for in 1979. Huh. So everyone that was involved in this show went on to be huge successes despite the fact that they 
did this show. I mean, this was kind of, um, and when I was trying to do research, because that's all there is. That's all okay. she wrote. Yeah. But when I was trying to do research about this show, you know, there's little blips on everybody's radar about mm-hmm. this show. Mm-hmm. So you really had to delve into it. Like I was on Wikipedia and then every name that was mentioned, I would go down the rabbit hole of that person's name and discover more information. But it was really um, an interesting thing to discover that, these people were completely unaffected by the unsuccess that Rachel Lily Rosenblum and don't you ever forget it was except for the people who were out the money. Well, yeah, but they, they were like, I mean, $500,000 to those guys probably wasn't much of anything. So the entire budget was 500 grand. That's what it led me to believe. But again, That's it's like cheap. the research that I that was doing. I, right. Who knows? I wonder, though, like, I wonder if at any point, like, if Bette Midler had said yes, would it have been better? If they, instead of going to Broadway, had done either tryouts or had just gone to, like, a cabaret I, theater? Yeah, like, I think, you know, going to a cabaret-style theater mm-hmm. or doing it off-Broadway. Yeah. And then Bette Midler being in it, (laughs) like, I would have wished that I was born early enough in life to have seen that. Mm -hmm. But as it stands, no, it should have never been on Broadway. Like, it just, (laughs) like, it was just a fun little, like, oh, let's get together and do a show type project. Unless you were going to do something, you know, more along the lines of, um... You know, sort of those one-offs, you know, like how Kristen Chenoweth just came and did her, like, set of concerts. Yeah, like a one-woman show. Right. Like, if you were going to just do it as sort of one of those Mm -hmm. type special performances, you know, maybe it could have worked. But to have it as a long-running show, I just don't think that... Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Well, and there's something also to be said about kind of stepping out of the comfort zone that is Broadway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was pre-chorus line. We had spoken about this previously, but a chorus line kind of revitalized theater right. in a way that made it okay to use different kinds of music other than the traditional musical theater that right. we were used to hearing by Oscars, Oscar and Hammerstein and <laughs> Rogers and Hammerstein. Right. His name was Oscar Hammerstein. <laughs> His partner was Rogers. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Um you know, that we were used to. And so this was just slightly before then. So I think people were unused to hearing anything other than the traditional. So when you throw in a disco song into a Broadway musical, it just doesn't make sense. Like, so I think in that respect, I can see that the audience might've been like a little like, Ooh, and then, you know, add to it that it's a very niche thing that you're putting on that stage. Yeah. uh, That, you know, I, 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 it makes me think of John Waters mm-hmm. when I think about this musical. Right. When Pink Flamingo and Cry Baby, Cry Baby. and Hairspray, yeah. they were not immediate successes. In, in fact, they weren't well, successful at all. They were B movies for the longest time, but right. they had this cult following. That's right. And I feel like if this musical had lasted just a, a little while longer, that cult following may have made it so that it would have been like a regional right. success or an off-Broadway success. But I still don't think that it would have succeeded in the Broadway realm. Right. I mean, yeah. Hairspray, my mom introduced me to. She loved she loved that movie. <laughs> yeah. And I loved Cry Baby. Did you? Loved it. <laughs> loved it. It's just, I mean, it's so campy and funny. 
but you also like if you don't know that it's camp Mm -hmm. if you don't know that it's supposed to be funny like it's just supposed to be wackadoo and you're just supposed to laugh at it then it's not good Mm -hmm. and i can see it from both sides well the musical crybaby didn't it didn't do well. No. It's so sad. Too but, I was so expecting good things because Hairspray had been such a success. But I think though there's something there's something in Hairspray. Like because even though it has a campy factor, it has an underlying realm of like truth. Like yeah. truth is like the through line for yeah. the show really about just being yourself and embracing who you are. Right. And not letting other people put you down. That's right. And so I think I think because of that through line of truth, like that's what helps Hairspray stay. And that's what spoke to people who watched it. Absolutely. I think that you're absolutely right in that. Mm -hmm. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But you're right. Crybaby doesn't really have that. But it is so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. And I feel like, too, I mean, and I'm, I'm not saying that I think that Bette Midler is a drag queen. Right. But Bette Midler has the same kind of charismatic energy and personality that Divine did. Yeah. And so I feel like if, because it was written for her, specifically for her, I feel like if she had had, you know, a hand in it, Mm -hmm. that it may have turned into a completely different show. Can we Google and see what Bette was doing at the same time? Because this is of interest to me. Like, (laughs) I love her and I really want to see her in uh, Hello, Dolly. I also want to see Donna Murphy. So I think I'm going to try to go twice. Yeah, yeah. Because it's on Today Ticks for like under $40 for um, to see Donna Murphy. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's pre-sale for 39 bucks. Okay. So I'm going to. But Bette is like. She's like. I think most of us grew up watching watching her movies, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, I don't care what any of you say, but I like beaches. <laughs> <laughs> and that industry song where she's like, uh, uh, and also auto titsling. Oh, those! Oh, I love those. <laughs> those scenes are so great. I I saw it first without my mother actually, and then it was, I want to say. A year and a half, maybe two years before my mom passed, Mm -hmm. we were having, I was home visiting and we were having one of those afternoons where she's retired at this point, but she would still be like, go to the TV guide channel or the info channel. And I would sit there and scroll and find something for us to watch. Yeah. And so, um, I was, uh, scrolling through and beaches popped up and I said, mom, have you ever seen beaches? And I had seen it a fillion times by this point already. (laughs) She was like, no, what's that? And I was like, (sighs) (laughs) so we watched it and my mother was notorious for falling asleep (laughs) while we were watching a movie. It is maddening. But if you try to turn it off or change the channel. Yeah, no, they wake wake right up. up. (laughs) And then they're like. Wait, what happened? <laughs> and I'm like, I am so... T- I've told you three... T- I've had to catch you up three times. 
So, but she, we sat there in the living room and we watched Beaches and she cried at the end <laughs> and she <laughs> laughed at the auto titsling part. <laughs> she really liked it. And I was like, the apple does not far, fall far from the tree. I knew she would because yeah. I like it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So I just looked this up and it looked like in, at the, uh, in 1972, she released her first album. And at the end of 1973, she released another uh, self-titled follow-up album. Okay. So I think probably at the time that this was all going on, she was more interested in working on her, her. recording career. Okay. Um, than anything else and maybe even you know moving into the whole tv and film right, realm right. um yeah okay but it is also kind of interesting to note remember how i told you that one of the producers was the co-founder of atlantic records right mm -hmm. atlantic records was the one that released her debut album oh so maybe paul jabara was like hey ahmet can you ask Bet if right. she'll be in the show i don't know that that's true this is all conjecture well i mean if if he wrote it for her, th this is the one thing I don't understand. I don't understand. And I really would love it if somebody would email us and like tell oh, yeah. me if they have any insight. But when you when when a writer decides they're going to write a musical for a certain person, <laughs> shouldn't they be on board before? Right. Because I'm thinking it takes years to write a musical. Yeah. So if you've decided I'm going to write a musical and I'm writing it with this particular person in mind, yeah. have you just spoken to them already before you do it? Mm -hmm. This is like a really an honest question because I've heard that so many times and yeah. I just don't understand. And before, you know, in a, uh, another episode we were recording, we were talking about Marie Christine mm. and how Michael John Lacusa, 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 Lacusa yeah. was writing Marie Christine for Audra McDonald and you know she, but she was fully on board right and so that's why like it wouldn't have been like I'm writing this musical for Audra McDonald and then ring 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 hello right. hi Audra I wrote this musical for well, you I'm sorry I'm really busy right now right but that's the <laughs> thing is that's why I don't understand because yeah. I hear a story like hers and where she was on board and yeah. knew that this was happening this I, when reading this story though I mean it really doesn't give me much detail right about how long it took to write it all it feels like this was like a oh I want to write a musical what should I write like a burst oh, of, I know yeah it was just all kind of like oh let's do this you know kind of like this podcast is working out to be like I really want to do this okay cool let's do it and he just well, happened but, to be surrounded by all of the right people well, to let, make it happen you've been thinking about a podcast for seven years it's though. true it's been a while <laughs> <laughs> so the, it's not but the, I mean, as far as like figuring out that oh, this sorry, was the podcast that we were going to be, right. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, so that's kind of what it seems to me. And he was just like, uh, you know, after wrapping up Jesus Christ Superstar was just, you know, hanging out with, with Robert Stigwood and, and Ahmet Ertigen and saying, Hey, you know what I really want to do is write this musical based on this. And Bette Midler is going to be totally amazing in it. And they were like, okay, cool. That sounds right. fun. Here's $500,000. Crazy. So... I don't know. I mean, it's they were obviously very talented people. Everyone that was involved, even Paul Jabara, I think his only mistake is not really knowing the audience, not really knowing the venue. That's that's I've said that so many times. Know your audience. <laughs> it's true. But he was I mean, he 
had experience in in theater in musical theater mm-hmm. he had done as i mentioned before hair and jesus christ superstar but he took over for tim curry in rocky horror show when tim curry went off to do the movie okay so like he i mean he had a lot of experience doing musical theater and being on the boards but there is something very different about treading those boards and working backstage right so and he didn't have a lot of guidance from his producers because they had no musical theater experience at all they just kind of wanted to be like oh actually no that's not the case at all because robert stigwood produced hair jesus christ superstar pippin mm-hmm. uh oh calcutta lots of other shows right so i don't know so i think it was just like a let's do this next weekend right. what do you think <laughs> But seriously, if you all actually know, if there's anyone listening who, you know, was doing theater here in New York City in the late 60s, early 70s, yeah. and you have insight, insight into this, yeah. like, please contact us because it's really fascinating. We love this kind of stuff. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't, I mean, it's so funny. We, when Ebony and I were first putting this podcast together, when we first got the idea to do a show about Broadway flops, scandals, new works, you know, it all kind of started with Rebecca but we wanted to really make sure that we weren't doing it to denigrate that we weren't doing it to gossip Mm -hmm. and be mean and to undermine people but just to tell the story because stories are fascinating that's Mm -hmm. why we love theater right is because you can never gainsay a good story right so it we really just truly want to find out why and how Mm -hmm. and you know what what were these inner workings what was it like to work with the people that were in this you know how much how much of what went wrong right was because of fate or because of fluke or because of complete inexperience like we you know that's just really fascinating to us yeah 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 (laughs) so (laughs) mentioned it before but tgabway at Mm gmail.com you can email us directly and let us know your thoughts yeah and stories that you might have personal um personal or otherwise if you've just heard a tidbit of gossip and you think it might be interesting to us which it will be um <laughs> send it along if you have any corrections because we are not we're not experts no this is all coming from the internet it's come from the internet and books and books yeah so and this is you know we're not we're not claiming internet, to be anything other than <laughs> lovers of musical yeah. theater we're not a, we're not theater historians no we are not no i don't think i would have the patience for that i don't know it sounds like fun does it like what the kind of stuff okay so like <laughs> uh my butchery jennifer ashley tepper oh, who yeah, wrote yeah. the untold stories mm-hmm. of the three books and they have a show she and someone else and i can't remember his name right now at 54 below oh so well they did so the the two gentlemen who host um behind the curtain which like what pamela said that's the <laughs> entire reason i listened to that podcast is because they interview Broadway legends. Yeah. And so a lot of these shows that we talk about, like some of them I get the idea from listening yeah. to the podcast. And uh, Rob Schneider and Kevin David Thomas don't actually delve into the inner workings and like what happened and where the breakdown was. So that's what we do that's here. That's what it's we like do. We try to delve into the inner workings. That's and what like, we find is the most right. fascinating. But what's fascinating about that show is they will, you know, they interview the legend. So sometimes we'll get information or, you know, you get extra insight by listening to people who were actually there from the horse's mouth. And so 
um, Rob Schneider, who's one of the hosts of Behind the Curtain, um, hosted a night with Jennifer Ashley Tepper named called uh, Broadway Bound. And so these were all stories that didn't find their audience. And, you know, some of the ones that we'll be talking about on the podcast were uh, there at the concert at Mm -hmm. 54 Below. But Rob and Jennifer are trying to do more of these. And Jennifer had actually done a few with another friend that you yeah, can watch those on are YouTube. the ones that I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah you I just, can't remember. I think it's just like. Just look. Um, just do a search for Jennifer Ashley Tepper. Yeah. And it'll come up. But like Rachel Lily Rosenblum is one of them. And what mm-hmm. they'll do is they'll tell the story uh, behind the scene, behind the curtain. And then they'll have an actress or an actor sing one of the songs from the musical. And sometimes they were actually in the show. Yeah. So. Uh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it is really cool. <laughs> it's cool. It's fun. It's worth looking up. I mean, that's another rabbit hole that you could follow. Yeah, down. it's on. It's on YouTube. They're yeah. all on YouTube. Yeah. Yep. All right. So uh, <laughs> iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. Please. We're fledgling here. We're starting out fresh. Starting. We need all the support we can get from you guys. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. But if you don't support us, we'll, we'll disappear. <laughs> Hopefully not. We don't want to close before no, our don't. opening. I know. <laughs> Please help us not be a flop. Please. Yeah. Um, you can like, share, and follow us on Facebook at Theater Geeks Anonymous. Mm-hmm. Or you can follow us on Twitter at TGA. Way. <laughs> That's my favorite thing in the whole entire world. <laughs> And it just goes through my head like I ca- I cannot say physically say B way without <laughs> singing it now. It's just a thing. I like to sing. I don't know if you've noticed, but I like to sing really close to the mic so I don't have to project. <laughs> oh gosh! All right, it's good stuff. Well, that's it. Good stuff. Is that it? That's it. That's Rachel Lily Blow. Wait. <laughs> Holy crap. Rachel, Rachel Lily, Lily Blows. Blows and Blows. <laughs> so Rachel, Rachel Lily Rosenbloom. And, and don't you ever forget it. it. Jinx. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs> hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now. And get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org. Because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.